Welcome to the Kettle Call Podcast. Today we are starting another uh, quizzing, so let me go ahead and call Brooke Latek. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Is it a good time for a call? It's always a great time for a cattle call. Great. Hello, Dr. Z. Hello, Pedro and Brooke. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you once again for uh, participating uh, with us in our quizzing. So, Brooke, can you go ahead and tell us what is the question that we have this month? This month, we're kind of continuing our conversation about fat. So the question this month is, what type of fat should be fed in a feedlot diet? The Actually, uh, Brooke, that's a very... That's a very important question. The, the conventional fat sources that, that have been fed over the years is uh, either tallow or uh, yellow grease, kitchen grease or whatever has different names. The yellow grease designation is mostly because of the color, it's yellow. So it's called yellow grease. Um, tallow in certain areas just because of the difference in availability between tallow and grease. But um, so those are the conventional fats that are, that are fed. When I say conventional, I, I just mean that historically, you know, they're either feeding that or the other, but um, the, <clears throat> the main fat supplemental fat that's been fed is, is yellow grease and yellow grease is, uh, is, the grease that's recovered from restaurants and cafeterias and so forth, they take it to a centrifuge, they spin it down, and uh, and then the the top part, the part that doesn't uh, a sediment, that's uh, that is uh, siphoned off, and that would be uh, what we would feed to cattle. This material is is especially controlled, meaning it. It's very low in moisture and unsaponifiable manner, and and uh, and it has a, a fairly low titer, so it you know it's easy to handle uh, in the feed mill, and so it would be the I would say that then yellow grease would be probably the standard, you know, for everything would be compared with with yellow grease. The tallow uh, is also uh, very standardized and very low in moisture and purity and unsaponifiable matter as well. But it has a high titer, and so it's not as easy to handle, especially in cold areas where you have, or at times of the year when the temperature is low, um, this material can be difficult to, to handle in the feed mill and, and can result actually in in variation in, in uh, the amount of fat actually that goes into the formulation. So uh, that would be a disadvantage for tallow, but, but both tallow and, and yellow grease are highly uh, palatable, acceptable to cattle there. And, and the nice thing about both tallow and yellow grease is it's consistent. In other words, if you're going to order uh, grease, then you're going to get the same stuff over and over and over again. And and one of the problems that you have with fat is that the cattle will detect a change. If you set, suddenly change from grease to tallow, there would be a an obvious uh, rejection of the feed and and some bloat or something like that. So you need to be 
uh, we, everyone should be aware that it's important that the uh, that whatever fat you're using, that it's consistent, uh, that you're getting the same source, same supplier, whatever. The Another now, as you move away from those two conventional uh, fat sources, then you run into uh, some, let's say, less expensive uh, sources of fat. This would be what we call the acidulated soap stocks. Now, these uh, these are more variable in composition. So uh, because it, it will depend on the source of the soap stock itself. So you have animal vegetable soap stock, uh, you have pure vegetable soap stock, and then the different sources, corn soap stock, soy soap stock, <laughs> sunflower seed soap stock. So you have all these different types these soap stocks are high in free fatty acids. And, uh, and so it, initially, when, when we were first looking at it as an alternative to the conventional grease or tallow, the concern was the high free fatty acid content. It can, uh, let's say an animal vegetable soap stock might be 50% uh, free fatty acids, but some pure vegetable soap stocks, they may be as high as 70%. Uh, free fatty acid. And, uh, and so the question is, you know, would that be more toxic and would there be more problems? And, and actually, um, you know, the research was conducted, demonstrated that no, it's not. Uh, one of the things that happens is that uh, biohydrogenation in the rumen is a rate limiting step is um, the formation of the free fatty acid. So, um, you know, you may have uh, a sense of greater uh, biohydrogenation, and uh, but also you may have um, greater toxicity, but we don't see that. So in a practical sense, in other words, if you're feeding fat at, at the recommended level, let's say, which means that the total dietary fat doesn't exceed 7%, then really the differences start to go down. But when you talk about uh, soap stocks, one of the real issues is now we're talking about something that can have a lot of other material in it besides fat. And uh, the, the major uh, one, of course, is moisture. So it can be much higher in moisture, much higher in unsaponifiable, unsaponifiable matter. Polo, uh, it, fatty, it can have all kinds of stuff in it. And... Uh, and so we have to be, whenever you buy a soap stock, then you need to think of it not so much on how much it costs per ton, but how much it costs per unit of total fatty acids. So total fatty acid content is always an issue with any fat source. Uh, the tallows and greases, they'd be about 90% uh, total fatty acids, but, but soap stocks would be 85% or less. So then you have other material in there and that dilutes its energy value. So actually, if you look at it as an as-is product, an energy value of stock is less. So where you might have an energy value, let's say, of, of yellow grease of maybe six mcals per kilogram NEM, it might be 5.4, 5.2 for soap stock. So uh, you have to really 
pay attention to the free fatty acid. Now, there are other sources of fat that go into the diet that, that we sometimes don't think about, but because of the level of inclusion of those, those things in the diet, they are uh, providing a significant amount of fat. Uh, of course, one of them is cotton seed. Um, and, you know, cotton seed can be as high as 20% fat. So, in fact, the energy value of cotton seed is basically the fat content of cotton seed. So, you, you, uh, you know, you need to, if, if a person were feeding cotton seed, and now, you know, of course, cotton seed is looking a little more attractive. So, uh, so there's a, a method to get some fat in the diet. Another source of fat, of course, is the distillers grains plus solubles. And, and there again, you have, uh, you know, a significant amount of fat coming into the diet, maybe 11% or something like that. But this is, this is significant. And, uh, you know, we should always uh, appreciate the added fat that's coming in through that. Another source of fat is uh, condensed uh, corn distiller solubles, which when distillers grains are produced in the process of alcohol production or whatever, the uh, sometimes the, the solubles are not added back, but they're just condensed and sold separately as, as condensed solubles. And, and that material is, uh, is about 65 to 67% moisture. And, uh, but on a dry basis, it has about 10% fat and is very palatable can, you know, large amounts of this can be added to the diet. So the, there's another, uh, source of fat that comes in, uh, formulations. Another source of fat is palm oil and <clears throat> palm oil is also sold. Uh, it, 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 it it's, it comes in as an economical uh, alternative to grease. And uh, palm oil is highly saturated. So we're talking about, you know, maybe 50, 55% saturated fatty acids with, of course, uh, C16 or palmitic acid being the main uh, fatty acid component, which obviously is where palm oil gets, you know, gets its name. The, uh, the nice thing about palm oil is that uh, C16 is by far more digestible in the ruminant than C18 zero or, or steric acid. So uh, this higher level of palmitic, palmitic acid is actually a, a, a benefit to that fat. However, again, because of its high uh, saturated fatty acid content, it has a high titer. And so in some parts, it may be less easily moved through the, your, your uh, feed mill pumping system. But um, so palm oil, but, but as a fat source, excellent fat source. And uh, in fact, some of your uh, so-called protected fats, they're, they're using palm oil. That's what they're protecting. Um, so these are uh, some fat sources that, uh, probably most everyone's aware of. Uh, again, though, when, in all the studies that we've done comparing fats, uh, really the main issue is the total fatty acid content. In other words, to not be deceived, uh, you, you're interested in how much fatty acid material that it has altogether and uh, the level of fat in the diet. 
there is some indication that um, when fatty acids are fed as free fatty acids, that you have a greater amount of trans fatty acid production, where if they're fed as triglyceride fatty acids, which would be the case, let's say, with grease and tallow, palm oil, uh, cottonseed, that type of fat, then um, uh, then you would have a lower production, theoretically, of trans fatty acids. So um, that's, I don't know how significant that is because really very, most of the fat sources we feed uh, are not high in uh, polyunsaturated fatty acids, which would be candidates for trans fatty acid production. The, uh, uh, an exception would be corn oil and corn oil itself, uh, which obviously would be a part of condensed uh, distiller solubles. It would be a component of distiller's grains. Uh, corn oil is very high in polyunsaturated fatty acids. So uh, the main fatty acid being C18-2. And so you would have a potentially greater uh, production of, let's say, trans fatty acids with those types of oils. But again, as far as animal performance, um, the, the main issue with this is the total fatty acid content and the level of fat in the diet. So those, that's kind of a brief overview. Perfect, yeah. For, on my side, Brooke, I think Dr. Zin answered, like I was writing down like some questions that I could have, like for example, palm oil and corn oil that I, I know there are some feedlots looking for that as an alternative with the increasing price of yellow grease, for example. But now I think they are, even that is, is getting too expensive. Uh, but my questions were answered. Uh, thank you very much, Dr. Zin. I don't know if Brooke, Brooke, do you have any other questions? My answers or my questions were also answered. So yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So thank you again, Dr. Zin, for um, joining us. For our listeners, thank you for listening. If you guys have questions, comments, uh, questions to send to Dr. Zin, please send uh, uh, the questions with quizzing to kettlecallucd at gmail.com. All of this content is available also in our monthly newsletter where you can find the transcripted transcript of the episodes. Uh, subscribe to that in the link uh, in below in the description of this episode so yeah thank you once again for listening to us i appreciate that and remember it's always a good time for a kettle call